You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 11, where we talk with Fred Bohm on backcountry hunting and an outdoor lifestyle. Hello, how's it going? How you doing? I am recovering. I just got back from kind of a whirlwind whirlwind of trade shows and work travel for Quiet Cat. And man, I am wore down. Basically started at the beginning of February or sorry, January, and I'm just now kind of wrapping things up here middle of February. So I am worn down. I got sick. I have some sort of upper respiratory infection. It sucks. (laughs) I don't recommend it, but I'm on the downhill slide. And uh, it doesn't matter because today we have Fred Bohm on the show. And this dude's an absolute badass. When I first started this podcast or when I first started kind of planning it and, you know, who I was going to have on the show and what I was going to talk about, I wrote out a list of like 10 people. And Fred, Fred was on that list. I've just... I followed his work. I was kind of turned on to him through a guy that I worked with a couple years ago at Quiet Cat, and I just really admired his work. He's he's um, a very avid blogger. His photography is off the off the charts. Um, a really cool guy. Never talked with him before, so this was a great opportunity to be able to sit down with him for an hour and and just chat about everything from how he kind of got all this started from the blog and the hunting industry. He has his own hunting company now where he makes products um, geared more for like upland bird and game hunting. And then we talk about, I mean, this dude's an expert um, as well, or at least I would consider him. He does a number of bow, you know, backcountry hunts, archery tackle, across multiple states and getting into different countries even. So this guy knows his stuff. Really cool guy. Uh, lots of fun. I learned a lot and very inspiring as well because I, I uh, again, have followed him for a long time. So hope you guys enjoy this one. And if you are enjoying what we're putting out um, on the Sportsman's Nation podcast network, make sure you subscribe we would love that. You can go to sportsmansnation.com, subscribe there, or go to iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. And if you like what you're hearing, man, leave us a leave us a good review. Leave us that five star review. It'd be much, much appreciated. Uh, update with transitionwild.com. I recently put together. It's called Five Western DIY Hunts Under a Thousand Dollars for You and a Friend. So basically. Um, you know, with you and a friend splitting, splitting, (laughs) I can't talk, splitting some costs, you can do some of these Western hunts for under a thousand dollars. Um, there are some stipulations in there, but anyways, just go to transitionwild.com. If you subscribe, I will send you that guide. It's like a nine or 10 page guide that kind of highlights these different hunts and, you know, all the kind of pricing and the breakdowns behind all of it. So go check that out. Go to transitionwild.com, subscribe. I will send you that for free. All right, let's let's just knock off, knock this stuff off. Let's get Fred on the line. All right, <laughs> so here we go. Uh, let's welcome Fred Bone. All right, on the line with us now is Fred Bone. How you doing today, man? Not too bad. No complaints here. All right, you guys getting all this weather that we got hit with a bunch of freezing rain and snow last night up here in the mountains. You getting the same down in Denver? Yeah, yeah, we got hit pretty hard. I think it was only supposed to be a little bit and uh, only for a couple hours. But, man, it, it went through the day yesterday and a good bit through the night and uh, woke up this morning to uh, shoveling snow. So there's always that fun part about Denver. <laughs> but, yeah, no complaints. It's been a mellow winter for us, so yeah, I can't really complain. Yeah, same here. It's been uh, rather lackluster in the scheme of things. But I, I'm not too big into skiing and snowboarding, so it doesn't really bother me. 
and it's good for the animals. So I I guess I don't really care. Yep, Yep, I'm 100% with you. Keep that winter kill as low as possible this year. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So what have you been up to this winter? Have you been going to any any of the Western Hunt Expos or any shows around the area, or what have you been up to? No, I haven't done any of the shows, which, you know, I kick myself. I tell myself every year, you know, I'm going to get out to the ATA and do some, you know, SHOT Show and a couple of the other ones, but uh, just been hectic with work and, uh, you know, getting a lot of hunts in, and that's, you know, kind of priority is between work, family, and um, and hunting. So, you know, I've been doing a good bit of hunting this winter, and uh, that's kind of been the priority, and haven't made the shows yet, but next year, next year, I'm going to try <laughs> as hard as I can get out there. I tell myself that every year. I'm sure I'll have the same excuse next year, but uh. <laughs> it's so, it's such a busy time. I mean, you get, you get done with hunting season and you've hunted starting in August and by the end of the year, you're just like, man, I kind of want a break. And, and then for quiet cat where I work, we kind of jump right into show season and I just wrapped all that up yeah. and it's daunting, man. It's uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> It is. It is. And for me, I mean, I, I travel a good bit. So the, uh, the hunting season never really ends for me. I mean, it slows down and I have to kind of pace it out, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I look for the opportunities to continue the hunt, you know, the hunting season. And if, if you, if you search hard and, uh, and long enough, you could definitely find it. And, uh, so it hasn't really ended for me yet. So there isn't that <laughs> relaxed period where I'm just calm and, you know, kicking back at this point. Um, it's, you know, either going out hunting or planning for the next one kind of seems to be my life these days. Yeah. Well, it never ends. It never ends. If you're a serious, if you're serious into all that, it, it, it never stops. It seems like that's how it goes. That's the truth. So you, I've been seeing some of your stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Have you been down in Arizona? You've been chasing muleys and javelinas. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I went down for the, uh, I think I got there right about the opener of January, which I think, gosh, you got to remember, I think it might have been the 5th. And I stayed down there for like, um, like 10 days, uh, you know, just hunting into getting into the backcountry down in Arizona, which I do every year. It's kind of my soul searching time. You know, I do a solo trip down there and you're just kind of sitting in the, uh, the desolation of the desert uh chasing animals and it you know it's a great time to kind of reflect and you know plan your next year and kind of reflect on the previous year and i you know i just use it as that and uh yeah i was down there for about 10 days in the backcountry. um got myself a javelina first one so it was the first time i pulled a tag i, I didn't realize how easy it was down there uh for bow hunters at least i'm not sure about rifle hunters yeah uh, is javelina yes. draw or is that can you get that over the counter it's it's a draw but it's just it's it's almost a guarantee and there's typically leftover tags as well. Um, so I just put in for the draw, and I think that was like October I put in for that. And it's, you know, a unit that I, I typically deer hunt as well. So you can just kind of stack it. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what I did. You know, went in there and uh, saw a ton of sign. And within a couple days, I think it was like three days in or so, I, uh, I got a nice one, got a real good one. And part of the deal was I told myself, like, well, if I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get a pig, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pull this thing out. And uh, I wanted to do it you know, like a pig roast. That was my whole goal behind it. So <laughs> nice. I, so, I, yeah, I'm in there with my backpack. I mean, I don't know how much I probably, you know, I had to carry some water in and, you know, plan on staying in for upwards of 10 days. And uh, so I had all my gear in there. And then now I got this pig. And I'm like, well, I got to keep this thing whole because that's what I told everybody. I'm going to come home and do it, you know, pig roast <laughs> or whatnot. So I literally strapped this thing to the outside of my pack. You know, I mean, at this point, I don't want to even guess, but it's, it's upwards of 70 pounds with all my camping gear, you know, my bow stuff, the pig on the back. <laughs> I, I, I wish a local saw me and they would have been like, oh, this guy's a complete moron. But, yep, strapped this thing to the back of my pack. I was six and a half miles in and God knows how much vert, you know, and – uh pulled that guy out and then, uh, continued next couple days did, uh, you know, a good bit of mule deer hunting. Nice. Nice. And, uh, what's the weather down there? Is it, does it get pretty cold at night in Arizona this time of year or does it kind of stay mild in like maybe forties or fifties? Yeah, it was, it was probably, I'd say about forties at night, maybe low forties. And, you know, it's a typical desert. If there's not water around, there's nothing to, um, to hold that heat in. So, you know, the cloudier nights were a good bit warmer, um, had a couple of those, but then otherwise, you know, you probably, you know, I I woke up to frozen water here and there, so it definitely hit freezing um, at night, but, you know, then daytime, you're hunting in a t-shirt, and that's exactly why I do it, you know, it starts snowing up here, and in Colorado, our season's pretty much done, and, uh, you know, I'm jonesing for that next 
that next hit, that next hunt. And uh, Arizona just fills that. It's perfect. It's a the deer tags OTC. So, you know, you got that every year. And the way they do it's super cool. So you have uh, – you get hunt in January, a, a little bit of August, September, and December all in the same tag. Now, you only get one deer. Yeah. But you have pretty much a whole year, you know, those months to hunt. So it, it's a great – it's a great tag to fill in when you're slow with other hunts. Yeah. So I do it every Every year, you know, you get down there in the warmth and a uh, ton of public land down there. Just, you know, an astronomical amount. We have a good amount in Colorado, but I'm blown away by Arizona. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, because I, uh, I actually talked to a guy, let's see, a couple months back. I think it was in December. I actually did an article for Heads Up Decoy, and I interviewed him about kind of, you know, late season mule deer hunting or basically January and December because there you're kind of in the rut, right? I mean, you're Correct. December, January, that's that's full-blown yep. rut down there. And uh, and then he was like, yeah, it's over the counter. It works out great because there's no interference with any of my other hunting season here in Colorado. And and uh, it's just fun. We get to go down there, me and my son, and, and we do it every year. So you're the second person I've talked to about that. And um, it's a, it's a, sounds like a cool hunt. I'm going to have to look into that a little further. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of this hidden gem. Um, I don't see many people down here. Whereas Colorado, I mean, I think I, I, I laugh about this with my hunting partner. I, I keep saying that this year I'm going to become a road hunter because the back country <laughs> is just so packed full of people. It is the place to be. It's, it's, it's a scene in itself here in uh, Colorado, but I got down there and I'll tell you, there's tons of wilderness areas you get a couple hundred yards off the road. I was, you know, one area I was six and a half miles in. There was no chance I saw a purse. I didn't even see footprints in there. Uh, you know, I, really? I can't imagine the last time somebody else was in there. And then the second part of the hunt for deer, I was working out of the truck a little bit um, just because it wasn't necessary to actually hike back in there. I would just hike in about three miles, you know, every morning and back out into my hunting area. Not a person. I, I had it to my, you know, to myself. Wow. And that's pretty much what I've experienced down there. So it's it's still kind of this – the backcountry down there is – God, maybe I shouldn't be saying it, but it's, it, it's <laughs> untapped, I would say, you know, at, at least in comparison here to Colorado. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great. Yeah, I, w- I would highly recommend that tag. Yeah, so I uh, – so for my website, I actually kind of went and just created – it's on my blog now, but basically if you subscribe, you get five Western – put together this guide, right? It's five Western DIY hunts under a grand for you and a friend. Oh, You're nice. splitting some costs and whatnot. And that was actually one of the hunts I put on there. So hopefully I don't let the cat out of the bag, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so many of these you get excited about, but then you, you know, I start running my mouth about it and I like, am I doing myself a disservice here? You know, but Hey, there's, there's tons of land. I mean, it's, and if you're willing to work for it to get back in there, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine oh, yeah. seeing, you know, seeing that many people back there so no it's, it's a great hunt that's a good call on your part you know put that as one of your five for sure yeah yeah well cool man um well before we kind of dive deep into kind of everything here um you know i i first heard about you so i moved out in from michigan to colorado in june of 2015 and uh, when i worked with mike miller at quiet cat he actually told me about you and and because he knew i kind of started this blog and whatnot and he's like oh you should check out fred's work and and what he does and um and here we are a couple years later finally get to to talk on the phone with you and and uh <laughs> hopefully in the near future we'll be able to meet face to face at some point so again i i appreciate you coming on here and just kind of wanted to dive into a variety of things with you because i have to say i'm a big fan well appreciate it appreciate it. it's amazing what the interwebs could do these days you know it's uh for as much as much flack as it gets you know it does connect a lot of people and uh i've had you know I've met hunting partners through it, and heck, I'm going to uh, New Zealand and met a bunch of contacts over there. Going to hunt with a bunch of guys, so you know, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to you know leverage it and uh, for us as hunters and you know be able to experience and you know talk to new people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been one of the coolest things about doing this website and the podcast is just getting to meet other people, and even if you've never met them before, just talking to them and connecting that way, and and maybe at some point in the future. You never know what can happen, so that's uh, exactly that's yep. really cool. And and um, you know, I really I really love your work just because I mean your your photography is amazing. You have a, like a really creative approach to how you actually portray hunts, and then your use of words, man. Like I I 
you're my idol in a lot of sense. Uh, really, I mean, you're oh, a very talented writer <laughs> and um, very, very great articles. And uh, I know you've been featured in some magazines and stuff like that. So hats off to you, man. And and uh, I, I really appreciate it again. No, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So what um, kind of what's your backstory? Did you did you grow up in Colorado? Did you uh, how'd you get into hunting? Um, kind of tell us about growing up and and kind of where you're at today and how all that transpired. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a transplant like most people uh, that you know live in Colorado now. But I came uh, came to Colorado. I think it was back in 2002. So I uh, I migrated from I grew up in New Jersey. And then went down to a school and University of Delaware, and then there was a bunch of buddies, and Mike was one of them. Um, but there was a bunch of us that had moved out here at the same time after we graduated from uh, University of Delaware, and I strictly moved out here to rock climb. And and you know I, I essentially became you know I moved to uh, Boulder, Colorado. That was the start of it, and uh, I was a rock climbing bum for years. I mean, we would travel you know throughout the U.S., Mexico, Europe, wherever you know, just rock climbing year round type of thing. I think you're going to start to notice this uh, consistency with my obsessiveness. So it's like <laughs> when I do it, I do it all the way. But I moved out here from there. Um, but before that, I mean, I was in hunting. I think, you know, as probably how a, a lot of us get into it, and that was through family. My father was a uh, um, quite an outdoorsman. I mean, fly fisherman, you know, brought me and my brother and my sister up, you know, fly fishing, hunting. And the hunting side always took with me, and uh, so I, you know, I've done that as a little kid, whether it be upland game or uh, you know deer hunting. And this was in New Jersey, mind you. So there's, you know, it was mostly deer stand that type of stuff. And I did that till uh, <clears throat> till high school, you know. And then like a typical high school kid, I was a punk, and uh, I just completely rebelled. So you know, I went vegetarian for six years. Um, no kidding. But, you know, yeah, yeah, through high school <laughs> and partially. Part of the way through college. Now, I was never against anything with hunting, you know. So I, I'd go back home from school and I'd actually go out and walk with my dad. He would, you know, we'd go grouse hunting or he would go grouse hunting and I'd just walk with him. I never had an issue with the, the hunting side of things. I think it was more, it was like the, the, the factory, you yeah. know, the health the, reasons. The factories, and... Yeah, yeah. Well, it was that and just, yeah, you know, fighting the system, whatever you do as a teenager type of thing, <laughs> you know, you're a bell. So I did that, you know, um, and then, you know, like I said, went to school, came out here for rock climbing. But then as, as what typically happens, I think with a lot of us is we go back to our roots and, you know, probably a couple years, I'd probably say about four years after I moved out to Colorado, just started, you know, going upland hunting again and, uh, uh, and then got into bow hunting again. And then just after that, everything else stopped. You know, I was I was mountain biking a bunch at the time and, and rock climbing and everything else stopped and hunting just you know <laughs> full on and that's been a you know a bunch of years now and uh, and that's you know that's I try to make that my life as you know as well as family of course and you know work but that's the that's the brunt of it these days is um, is getting out there as much as I can and experience as much I can in life and uh, you know and. For me, it's it's the backcountry bow hunting is is huge for me, and you know a good bit of upland as well with my with my dogs and my my growing family. My wife goes out a bit, and then I, you know I got a young son and daughter are too young for it yet, but you know we're we're getting them out there and getting them to experience it as well. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So you live currently mm-hmm. in Denver. Yes, got correct. It. Got it. Got it. So then, did you start your blog and writing? kind of when you moved out to Colorado or is it more like when you kind of took on this full obsession of the hunting bug? Um, it was the hunting bug type of thing. I was, uh, I was working in ad agencies, uh, that type of thing at the time and was just looking for a different outlet. You know, I was, uh, I mean, I've been in, into photography since, gosh, I remember using my grandfather's you know, camera. And I think we were shooting black and white back then or whatever it was metering off of, you know, a separate meter from the camera was ancient thing. (laughs) Using that as a little kid. And then, you know, throughout school, you know, I was, I was developing my own film and it was all black and white and, you know, in in the studio, that type of thing even before digital was around. So that'll date me a little bit. (laughs) Um, so it was always into the photography side of things and, you know, just, I didn't apply it as much when I was out rock climbing and whatnot. But then once, you know, I think hunting just lends itself to it. You know, first of all, you're hitting both golden hours. You're up well before sunrise. 
So you got that great morning light and, uh, you know, you may be competing with glassing time when you're shooting photos, but that's about, <laughs> you know, a lot of times you get the, the middle of the day when, you know, you're bored and you're just trying to find something to do while it's slow out and you could just go find stuff to take pictures of. And then, you, you know, you're out there in the evening as well for the, uh, the golden hour. Um, so I think it just lends itself really well to photography. So I started doing that more and more with hunting, um, getting back, you know, back into it and then writing as well just kind of never wrote before i never did it for like school or anything else or you know anything work wise i just kind of started writing and there's only one way i know how to write is how i talk so um just kind of developed my own style with it and and just said you know either people are going to like it how i how i write or i don't know how to write any other way so i'm not going to really change it and then uh you know just kept kind of going with that and, and here we are today yeah so, so like you're writing, like I know for me, I always, it was always one of the things in school that I didn't hate. <laughs> like I never really liked that much of, of high school or just middle school in general, but you know, writing and stuff always seemed to be like one of my strong suits and I didn't actually mind it, kind of enjoyed it. Um, did you find yourself kind of the same way growing up? You always kind of enjoyed writing. You just kind of, when you find a passion, you just kind of jumped into it that way. No, not at all. It's, it's quite the opposite. I, I didn't enjoy writing at all as a kid. Um, <laughs> I was horrible with grammar. I still am. You know, I, I probably should have an editor looking at the stuff I'm posting online. I mean, there's times when I'm actually typing in and, and spell check has no idea the word <laughs> I'm trying to say. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to change this word or I got to go ask my wife. What, you know, how the hell do I spell this thing? So it's it's terrible with that. But no, I, I, I was never into it. But I just kind of there were several motivations behind it. I think one of them was, you know, maybe, maybe it was when I was, we were starting to have kids. Uh, I kind of wanted to have something for my son to look back on. Uh, you know, my father passed away when I was my early twenties and it just, I knew of him up until then, but I thought it would be such a cool thing to like, Oh wow. What if I could go back and read what he was like during his earlier years and, you know, just to kind of, and it's just so easy to do online with a blog. It's just, you go on, you put your pictures in, you write about it. And it's a way to kind of preserve your adventures um, throughout the years. I mean, I'll go back and look at stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, did I really feel that way at the time? Or was I, is this how I was thinking at the time? So it's kind of cool to go back and look. And that was one of the motivations to start doing it. And then just after a while, I just, it was almost therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I find that I found myself doing the same thing. It was kind of more like a journal, more of my personal experiences. And it's kind of morphed into a bunch of different avenues now, but, um, yeah, I look back on it and I'm kind of the opposite though. I, I look back on all my past posts and I'm like, oh my God, I actually wrote that. That was so bad. <laughs> I need to oh, edit yeah. that. No, I, absolutely. No, I constantly do that. I think that's with anybody. I mean, it's like, I'm sure, you know, with your podcast, you're going to look back a couple years from now and be like, wow, did I talk about that? You know, there's, it, that's just the human way is to try to perfect what you're doing. And, you know, it's, you look back. Oh, I do it all the time. I look back and I'm like, wow, that was that story made absolutely no sense. I don't think a single person <laughs> got what I was trying to say there. But, but you just do what you do and you keep advancing and uh, you get better every single time you do it. You know, for sure, for sure. So, what uh, as far as like a day job? I mean, do you work anywhere um, or do you kind of do your own thing? Um, I know you have a, a business and you make some kind of hunting products. Is that is that correct? That's correct. It's it's called Sage and Breaker. Uh, okay. We make firearm cleaning products, and we're also getting into uh, Upland Dog accessories. Um, we're working with a company we got a patent on, uh, or they had the patent on, but we work with them. Uh, it's a, a collar slash lead type of thing. It's great for hunting dogs. Um, you know, we do boar, uh, like what's called boar snakes. It's boar cleaning kit. We have a totally different design than what was previously previously out there. We think a much better design, you know, CLPs, high-end gun mats, which are, you know, like wool, canvas, leather. So that's that's the company. That's what I do full-time now. And that started four years ago, I would say, you know, working at an ad agency, just hating my life, you know, just selling people. I think my one of our main clients was Pepsi, and I was like selling kids diabetes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I felt horrible yeah. about what I was doing for a living. Um but I was a motion designer, you know, video editor, that type of thing for, for many years and just really wasn't enjoying it. So I started that as a side business, um, you know, come from a long line of mechanical engineers. So I was always in a machine shop as a kid. So it just started tinkering, coming up with some ideas, developed it, you know, put it out there on the market. Like, mm, let's just see if people are interested in this, see if it's a viable product. Well, it certainly was. 
uh, took off in a hurry. And about six months later, I mean, we were, I was replacing my salary at, uh, uh, at the ad agency, really? you know, and this is a, yep. You know, at this point then you know, we're, we're starting to have kids and I was working the ad agency from 10 to 12 hours a day, sometimes weekends coming home, working on Sage and breaker and then kids come along and my wife's like, you, you got <laughs> something's got to give here. Pick you one. Know, you work. Yeah. You work nonstop. And she's like, I a hundred percent, you know, support Sage and breaker. I think you could make it doing that. And that was four years ago or so. And that's exactly what, you know, exactly what I did. And been full, you know, full on ever since between that and the hunting side of things and, uh, um, you know, the blogging and working with some companies with photography, but yeah, that's been full time. So it's been a phenomenal experience for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Was it, um, was it one of those things where you were kind of nervous to kind of leave the corporate oh, world behind and kind of take the leap of faith or did you kind of just go for it knowing that, you know, you already had this kind of rolling? Terrified. I mean, absolutely <laughs> terrified. I mean, waking up in cold sweats at night. I mean, now mind you, just bought a house, kids come in, that type of thing, you know, and then all of a sudden quit your, you know, what you would consider a secure job. Um, you know, it was, I got paid good money. I can't complain about that, all the benefits and whatnot. Uh, and then just to take this risk to throw all of that away, you know, and now the, the company was doing well, but you have no basis for how long that's going to last. You know, yeah. it's always that terrified thing was, is it going to dry up? Um, are people all of a sudden, is something going to happen with the government where they don't allow guns anymore? And now, now whatever you're doing is just obsolete or whatever, you know, yeah. is there a new company that's going to come out that's going to take tons of things to worry about? But, you know, I mean... I, I, the other part of me is I didn't want to be on my deathbed and, you know, however many years from now looking back and like, why didn't you just take a chance? You know, why didn't you give it a go? And just why did you live life so secure? And I didn't want to have that regret, you know, and then having kids come along. I wanted to teach them to take chances and for them to believe in themselves and then, to, you know, to, to go out there and give it everything, um, work your butt off for what you want. And, uh, and you know, the hard work and, and that, that would, that would take care of it. And then, you know, like, so that's, it was, I wanted to lead by example with that. So I think it was the best choice, one of the best choices I ever made in my life. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And I'm the same way. I kind of, when I made the move from Michigan to kind of move out here, I'd always kind of wanted to live in Colorado and I've always had a you know, passion for the West and all the public lands and the great hunting. And when I made that move, I kind of just told myself I want to work in the outdoor industry and then kind of more than I, you know, obviously do this blog and that's more of a passion and just follow what you're really, what makes you tick. And, yeah. and you're not going to look back at 70 and be like, damn, I should have take that, taken that risk or I should have tried that you know what's the worst going to happen i mean you had definitely had skin in the game i'm not gonna <laughs> balk at that you had a kids wife house um all that stuff and uh it's i just commend you for doing that that's that's great and hopefully i'll be down that same road at some point here in the near future yeah and i'm not telling everybody out there just to <laughs> just to go crazy like this is what i want to do just go 100 percent. work your way into it you yeah. know and i, I work two jobs essentially for I don't know, it was it six months, eight months, something like that, um, you know, and worked into it. So it was a lot of work to get it started. But yeah. then there's a time just to make that leap of faith because you don't, you don't want to be, you don't want to live life in fear and like, what if, what if, what if, you know, it's just too short and there's no reset button, you know, this is it. So yeah, take advantage of it and just go out there and enjoy it as much as you can. And, and, uh, and, and again, what you, what you had said, what's the worst that's going to happen? Go out and get yourself another job. Yeah. If everything fails and crashes around you, I could go to another ad agency, get a job. You know, you could do whatever you want, get another job. Like, so there it, it's, it's just getting over fear is really what it comes down to. And it's, it's understandable fear, but it's still just getting over that and, and making that move. For sure. For sure. So with Sage and Breaker, you mentioned a lot of that stuff is probably geared more towards like upland kind of bird hunting and game. Um, that's something I follow, you know, you're doing quite a bit of Talk to us about that. I've never, I've went grouse hunting, I think like twice. I've actually never shot one, uh, but <laughs> I could definitely see myself catching that bug. Cause it's, it's just something different and action packed. It's fun. Tell us about it that. It is fun. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we gear ourselves towards that because a lot of the photography, uh, so we market towards the upland hunter uh, because I am an upland hunter. But I mean, I would say a lot of our sales also goes to uh, uh, big game hunters and a lot just, you know, just shooting enthusiasts, you know, guys with AR-15s and handguns and all that. You know, I do that stuff as well on the side. I love doing that. Um, but I think we gear ourselves more towards the Upland Hunter. And that started, I mean, the name of the company come from my two hunting dogs. Sage is my uh, my pointing lab, which is not a pointer, but that's a, another story. <laughs> He's a flushing <laughs> lab, but he should be a pointing lab. But um, And then Breaker is our uh, uh, poodle pointer. So we got those guys back in the day. And, uh, you know, I was out grouse hunting for, I'd say, about two years and i don't think i saw a single grouse within those two years i thought it was a mythological creature that these old guys were just telling me to get a kick out of it like oh let's keep this guy going out in the woods you know they're not i just didn't see any and uh but i loved being up in you know the, the aspens in the fall and i loved the uh, the terrain the mountains all that type of stuff so i would go out and then eventually i'm like well i'm gonna get a hunting dog so i got sage everything changed after that i mean we had an epic epic season i can't tell you how many birds we put on the ground uh and well also how many days we spent out there so that was the uh you know that was the start of the upland for me out here and again i had done that as a kid you know pheasant hunting but everything back east was stocked pheasants and you know it wasn't it wasn't what it is out here by any means yeah um further north i guess up in maine and new hampshire whatnot they have uh you know roughed grouse but not down in jersey so I really, you know, started out here after getting Sage, and then we added, uh, you know, Breaker about a year and a half afterwards, and um, you know, just been hunting those dogs. Uh, wow, a ton. We, you know, we travel to do that. We'll hunt them in Arizona. Um, you know, we do the grouse season out here, quail, pheasant. Uh, get after Chucker a good bit on the Western Slope. Um, yeah, we'll travel a good bit with them and uh, and do the upland as well. You know, kind of do that in between seasons or in between hunts for big game or, you know, there's times that takes priority over big game for me as well. So, uh, love them both, you know, they're, they're both just fun in a different way. I would say the backcountry bow hunting is more of the solo trips for me. That's just kind of my time out there to, to have to, like, you know, myself and kind of clear my mind. And then the, uh, the upland is a very social thing, you know, go out with buddies and, and do hunts. And we turn that into backpack hunts as well. And, you know, go out there with, tents on our back you know a day or two worth of food and then just go out there with the dogs and you know hunt for a couple of days in the backcountry as well yeah that's awesome and i can totally relate with the the social thing i mean being in the backcountry and hunting for days on end um it's it's not exactly it's not exactly like something that's kind of fun in games and you got to get to bullshit. I mean, you get that, but it's, it's different with, sure. with bird hunting. Like you can just walk around, you can talk, you can laugh, you can yell and, uh, a little bit more relaxed in that standpoint, but, um, both sides Absolutely. are very fun. Uh, I, I just need to get more into the upland bird hunting cause that would be, that would be pretty cool just to do that more often. I, I have the opportunities to do it. I just need to do it, but maybe yeah. I don't know exactly well, where you all live the right spots. Yeah, where you live is a great area for it too. I mean, I, I hunt up, uh, you know, by you a good bit, and it's, yeah, it is. It's it's that there's the opposite ends of the spectrum for sure. You know, one is the more social, yeah, and you kind of just bullshitting with people walking around, and you know, at nighttime you're camping and you can talk, you can you know, get up late if you're grouse hunting. Those things aren't out of the trees till eight nine o'clock anyway, so you know, <laughs> it's not like it's an early. It is. It's more like that relaxed, laid back. Um, and again, lends itself great to photography because a lot of times I'll just run the dogs on my friends hunting and I, I just take pictures. Yeah. You know, half, half of it too, for me at least, is the dog work. Um, love seeing those guys out there working. And, you know, if I get a shot, cool. If, you know, if not, I'll take the camera out there and take pics as well. So, yeah, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we kind of touched a little bit on the backcountry kind of bow hunting. It's, is that something that you got into – yourself kind of going solo or did you kind of when you moved out to Colorado did you kind of start hunting with buddies and kind of learn the ropes that way tell us about kind of how you got started with bow hunting and kind of doing the backcountry thing self-taught you know I, I first year out here hunting big game I started with rifle and went with a bunch of buddies and we did real well and uh and whatnot but I just I, I kind of wanted to push further and it's to be quite honest, it's tough to find um, compatible personalities in the backcountry. 
maybe that's you know the pick, one pick way your partner of wisely. It. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, it was fine. I mean, it's not like I had any disagreements with the guys the first couple of years, but I wanted to go further out there longer. Um, I don't know. I just always like pushing myself and seeing what what I could do and you know how much I could withstand and you know I I'm a fanatic when it comes to cardio and all that stuff. I know that's a popular thing to do these days, but I was doing that way before you know I was even hunting and that type of thing. So I like that. I like getting back there. I like the mental struggle in the backcountry. I like that where you have to force yourself to stay in because God, you know, there's so many excuses to leave. Um, and I, oh, yeah. I love I love that that part of you where you're just like, shut up and stay in. You're, you're, you're doing this. You said you're going to do this and this is what you're going to do. And, and then you do it. So I like that part of it. It seemed to be the solo hunting was the best way to do that. There was no democracy. There was no, you know, negotiating with somebody. It was just whatever you wanted to do, you did. If you wanted to go over the next ridge, you went over the next ridge. If you wanted to go back a couple more miles deep, you know, that's what you did. So that's where, I'd say the first year I started with rifle. Then the second year I got into the bow hunting again. Um, cause that's what I did as a kid was the bow hunting. I didn't, uh, I didn't, you know, rifle hunt or whatnot. It was just bow. And then just kind of got into it and did it a couple times myself. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is where it's at. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And, uh, and you know, I do hunt with partners these days here and there, but I still try to do about at least half of my trips, um, out by myself. Yeah. That's a solo yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have some, I just wrote an article about it. You know, some of my best memories are hunting with friends and like just kind of just the random stuff that happens on a hunting trip with, with other people or your brother or your good, your good hunting buddies. But I feel like I'm just more primal. I think I make better decisions. Yeah. Um, you kind of read things a little differently when you're solo because it's just you and you only, you're not worrying about anybody else and you're just, you're just going with whatever comes your way. And there's something really cool about that because you can, you can end up in a whole bunch of different places. (laughs) That's it. And I think you get into that zone. Like I, I, I don't feel like I ever get in that zone when I'm hunting with somebody else. And I, I always have this thing. It's called, you know, for me, it's five days in when I'm five days in on a trip that's where everything starts to click with me. That's where everything about work goes away. Everything about everything else. Like I'm, I'm concentrating solely on the now I'm present in the moment and I'm hunting is the, you know, at, at, at my top level at that point, I would say, and I don't hit that if I'm with somebody else. Cause you're talking, you're, you know, Oh, you know, maybe <laughs> next hunt we'll do this or, Oh, maybe we should move spots or again, negotiating or, you know, voting on what's going on type of thing. You know, when you're five days in solo, it's it's amazing. That's usually where I put down my biggest animals um, and the most animals is is definitely when I'm out there by myself and and just in for a bunch of days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How many how many hunts are you taking a year? You do like five, six trips, ten. What what's your schedule oh, look like? Man. I think last year just big game. Um, oh God, I think it was like sixty five days I spent wow. in a tent or sixty five nights I spent in a tent. So yeah, year round. I mean, I was in Hawaii for a month, um, took the whole family down there. You know, we just VRBO to house I, with Sage and Breaker. I'm able to run it anywhere. I, you know, as long as I have an internet connection, I could run the company. Um, so we went down to Hawaii for a month. So that was like 30 something days down there hunting. And then, uh, Oh God. I mean, all starting August 15th and, until mid January, end of January, it's, it's almost every week I'm out hunting. Um, heck I'm going out tomorrow for uh, a mountain lion. And like I was saying earlier, I'm going to be three weeks in New Zealand, uh, come April and May going after, uh, everything they have to offer. And yeah, just the, the trips are endless and maybe get another <laughs> Hawaii trip in there. And then, uh, you know, by the time all that stuff's done, then we fire back up here out West. So, yeah. Yeah. What are you, what are you hunting in Hawaii Axis or? No, I was, we were on the big islands. So it was, um, the feral goat, sheep and uh pig. Oh, got it. What they had there. Yeah. So I didn't get a chance to go for Axis next year or possibly later this year. I'm going to de- definitely get down there and go after Axis as well. But it was, um, yeah, the feral pigs, goats, and sheep, and uh, man, it, it's a target-rich environment. And again, you think of Hawaii as this uh, 
I mean, at least in my mind, I, I pictured it as being, you know, pretty much a city. Like everybody wants to be in Hawaii, <laughs> so there was houses everywhere. At least on the Big Island, I didn't, you know, visit the other ones, but it was the outskirts, obviously by the ocean. That's where the houses were, and everything on the interior was just either public land or military. And sometimes you get access to military, sometimes you can't. But the amount of public land, I was, you know, never bored. That's a year-round season down there. Um, yeah, what are the so tags was, like? I mean, can you buy those over the counter? Archery, hey, yeah. rifle? What? How does that work? So it's just a little bit over a hundred bucks, and that's for everything. So you're not buying an individual tag. Now, some, I guess you call them GMUs, kind of like how ours are, but it's not sep- separated out like the whole. There's little pieces of land, of public land, and they will have specific rules to it. Some allow just archery. Some allow, you know, archery or rifle. Some are just weekends. Some are weekdays. Some you can only go for goats. There's a couple little areas that are permits that you just go in. And it's like ten, fifteen bucks, something like that. Um, to get a tag for goats in this one area that they kind of, um, they, it, it's a, a, they have the area specifically for hunting goats. So, you know, the conservation's all based around that, but otherwise you could always find a unit that's open and that you get access and there's several of them at a time. So there's really, you know, you pay your hundred bucks and you hunt year round. It's, it's, it's wild. <laughs> That's That's crazy. That sounds nice. Probably the, I mean, obviously the most expensive part would just be the plane ticket and finding a spot to stay. But man, once you're there, it sounds like it's it's pretty much a free for all. You pay a hundred bucks and, you know, maybe a little here and there and you can kind of have, have your way with it. Well, that's kind of it. You know, it's like, it's these places like Hawaii and the New Zealand's, they're all non-indigenous species. So essentially they're trying to eradicate them. Mm, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's open game. It's just some, some of the GMUs are just like, take as many as you want type of thing. Now you don't do it as a hunter, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> but I'm saying that is, that's their mentality with some yeah. of these areas. It's just get rid of the animals. Um, so plenty of shot opportunity. It was, you know, it was great for advancing, um, stalking and just you know because you just had so many chances at it you just got out there and you blew a stalk you're like yeah all right you know go find another one and then you just did that you know all day long it was it was wild it was a great time man good food, you know good eating and uh it came it was a phenomenal experience i try to do whatever you yeah yeah i bet i bet that sounds really cool so um <clears throat> so as far as kind of your western hunting here on the on the lower 48 side what what did you kind of get into this past fall? I know you did some whitetail hunting. Um, yep. Did you hunt elk? Like, kind of tell us about some mm-hmm. of your your moments throughout the fall here, and and give us a little rundown of that. Sure, sure. It started out with, um, I guess, it was August fifteenth. I think is when we started for uh, uh, antelope. So got out, you know, after antelope, and uh, was lucky enough to be able to knock one of them down. A nice buck this year. Uh, so that ended and then, uh, right afterwards jumped right in and luckily had a, um, a deer elk and bear tag all in the same GMU. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, it was more of like an opportunity for the deer and bear. You know, if I, if I got half the pond one, I would go for, but it primarily there for the elk and it was, you know, it was rough. It was, we were way back in, um, some gnarly terrain out here and some of the ugliest stuff, but I mean, beautiful, but just brutal to hike through. (laughs) Um, and you know, just the Cardinal sin this year, got one in at a, a beautiful herd bull at a 35 and, uh, 35 yards away and just put that arrow right into the void. So botched oh, no. it royally. Yeah. We searched, couldn't find blood. I mean, we, we saw it hit, but it was just high and it, you know, it, it definitely didn't die. It just went through and, you know, just a void shot. So that was a bummer, but you know, happens definitely happens. And then you know, uh, so that was pretty much my September, and then got into good bit of upland at that point as well, and then started taking up. Uh, last year was the first year I really concentrated on uh, whitetail, so went with a buddy to South Dakota. There's a um, OTC tag, or yeah, it's OTC, and uh, one up there, and uh, we were going to hang some stands, and then the following week we we're going to head up for the rut. Well, I went up and hung a stand, and I'm like, all right, we'll just sit for the night, and then the next morning we're going to take off. We had to go, uh, both of us had to go back to work, and then that the following week is when we we're going to head up. Well, that night, I, you know, a beautiful nine pointer walks behind me. I mean, we were there for no longer than four hours, and I look behind <laughs> me and I'm like, oh, how am I going to pass this thing up? So, 
got him and then that kind of blew the rest of that trip you know i had to say sorry to my buddy and uh but I got to find another tag, another hunt somewhere. So then I uh, <laughs> picked up a tag in uh, Nebraska. They got no TC tag as well. And then hunted whitetail there. And then after that was done, that was, you know, pretty much back to uh, Upland and then uh, Arizona hit. Nice. And uh, went and did that. And uh, and that's now what's now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, did a little bit of uh, mountain lion hunting as well. I got a buddy that's a yeah, houndsman. And um, that was a great experience this year. First time going out doing that and uh, chase some cats. And uh, hopefully tomorrow we get on one and, uh, and put it down with this recent snow. We, we should have uh, a good chance of it. Yeah, yeah, I'll be following along for sure. I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting for that that photo on Instagram or I'm something. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we have service. Do a little Insta story if uh, if yeah. we tree a cat, that'd be great. That would so. be sweet. That'd be real cool. Um, so when you when you hunted South Dakota, did you see any mule deer out there, or are you not really in a unit where you're kind of seeing seeing muleys as well? Yeah, we did. Um, we kind of we were hunting stands on the uh, the river bottoms, and that was pretty much exclusively whitetail. But I mean, you literally hike, I don't know, a quarter of a mile away up in the hills, and that's all muleys. So it was wild. It was kind of like that, you know. It was they're they're not necessarily intermixing there, but I mean, they are right close to each other. So in a day, you could easily go for either one. Yeah, yeah. And how about Nebraska? You kind of see the same thing there, where you kind of got that crossover as well you do you know and that's that's the beauty of that state as well is um you know again i was hunting river bottoms so i was on white tails the uh the whole time because I, I get a chance to hunt mule deers you know mule deer out here so i wanted to try something different but yeah it's the same thing i had tried the sand hills last year and saw a couple muleys up there but not really the numbers that brought me back um and again all this is public land i'm not a i'm a don't have access to private. So, you know, maybe it's great up there on private. I've heard it is, but yeah, the public land, not so much, uh, but they're there. They're certainly there and you could, uh, you could get after both of them as well. Yeah, that's real cool. I, I'm kicking around the idea of Nebraska as well for kind of like a combo whitetail and mule deer, just because I know you can, you can kind of do either or there, I think for archery, or if you buy yep. the separate tags over the counter, you can do that. Cause I'm in the same boat you are when I'm hunting elk in September, I've, that's like my priority. Like nothing's going to steer me sure. away from that, at least yet until I get maybe a few more, <laughs> a few more down on the ground. Maybe I can start kind of branching out there a little bit more, but I'm, I'm just trying to weigh everything. Cause I do want to shoot a mule deer and that's on the list. I just got to figure out how I'm going to do it and what state it's going to be and what, yeah. what the particulars are going to be. Yeah. And I think you can run yourself thin out there doing like what I did this year. You have a bunch of tags in your pocket. I mean, I was chasing a bear at one point and then you see elk and you're like, well, should I be going for the elk or the bear? Well, the bear's closer. So I'm going to go for that. And then you start <laughs> running yourself thin and we saw a mule deer and I'm like, well, that's a good one. But are we going to pack that out for the next two, three days or whatever it is, you know, and then you're not hunting elk. So it, it does spread you a little bit thin. So I, I, I agree with you. Sometimes it's, this year I'm not going to do that to myself. It's going to build a preference point for mule deer and uh just strictly focus on elk in colorado and i mean i'll apply other states you know uh I've pretty much all the other western states have been applying for so nice one of these years you know pulled decent tag out of there but otherwise it's just otc units <laughs> yeah for which sure. are fun oh yeah yeah lots of i mean especially colorado i mean if you're looking to hunt elk yeah. there's just we got the biggest herd here and there's plenty of public yep. and if you want it you can you can go after it and uh plenty of opportunities Absolutely. Yeah. No, we got a ton of public land to be able to access and, you know, you can't say enough for these groups that are keeping it open. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. You know, especially in these coasts are coming out here. I was absolutely floored. I mean, it was like a culture shock. Like you come out and you're like, I I'm allowed to step on that land over there. Like that, <laughs> no, no, people are like, no, no, no. You see that whole mountain range. That's, that's all you go ahead, go get in there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to get <laughs> shot at with, you know, rock salt or something by some farmer. You're like, no, 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 go ahead. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> I was blown away. It was, yeah, it, it was is cool. a 180 from what I'm used to. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier, like kind of fitness and, and also touched a little bit on gear. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But, um, following your stuff, I know you're, you're obviously, you said you're a rock climber and you stay really good, um, you know, cardio health and, and fitness. Do you think like that combination, I mean, 
Do you feel like being in the best possible shape that you can be for yourself, that like kind of really just helps you when you're five days in on that backcountry hunt? I mean, obviously it does, but tell us about like I think it that does, whole but training. I think, yeah. I think it does, but I think these days it's getting a little bit overrated. Um, and it could get a little bit dangerous in the way of not dangerous, but it, it, you're you're almost depending on your physical ability and, and then you end up making knucklehead moves back there. You know, you end Got up it. doing stuff where you're not going to be as successful because you're so dependent. Like, oh, I'm just going to go hike in, you know, 15 miles and nobody else is going to, well, somebody else is going to do that where there's going to be horses back there, you know, with outfitters doing that. So you're not going to out hike people anymore. Um, you know, but I think just being like a, a, a good hunter is, is getting underrated a little bit, like going out there and know what the elk are doing, knowing not, you know, to camp in their bedding, their bedding areas or the areas <laughs> they're hanging out. Like some of these things I'm just floored seeing it these days and people are just so convinced they're going to out hike something. And I'm like, you're not going to out hike those elk, you know, these things are beasts. But, yeah. uh, but that being said, I, yeah, I think it is. And I, I mean, I do it more for, I've done it my whole life, you know, before hunting and, you know, just since I was a little guy, it was just always either running or lifting weights or, and I think that's just for my own mental health. I think, you know, that's something that every human needs to do is struggle physically. Um, so I do it for those reasons, I think more than the hunting. So, you know, I don't advertise it on Instagram or write about it on my blog or anything like that, you know? There's guys out there that are just, you know, that aren't necessarily fit that are just straight killers. Um, so, you know, I think they're proving the other side of it. Just being a good hunter goes a long way as well. But that being said, I would never discourage anybody from getting in the best shape that they, they could possibly be in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To- yeah. It's a balance but, I've, I've found. I mean, there is sure. a lot of that hype, you know, like, oh, you have to, you have to be a Cameron Haynes or, you know, somebody right. to, to kill something. And you don't, I mean, you can be, um, do whatever sure. you want to do yeah. and whatever makes you happy yeah. and whatever is going to make you the best hunter to hopefully be the most successful out there that's great but there there is kind of that stigma of like oh you have to be in crazy awesome shape and you don't um but i do recommend some some or at least a pretty good amount of physical fitness for for hunting the west especially for flatlanders absolutely i just recommend that in life you know i think everybody should be doing that um but i agree you know hunting can be pretty brutal um but i think it's you know more than anything that's kind of overlooked as well as just the mental game you know it's I, I tell you, I work out, you know, every single day, it's either lifting, running, and sometimes a combination of the two or, you know, backpack, you know, heavy weight hiking and whatever it may be. And I'll tell you every single time I, you, you knock an elk down, you're like, Oh God, like I, there's, <laughs> there's no training in the world. That's going to prepare me for getting this thing out. You know, you're, if you're seven, eight miles in and you got to do two or three trips with a buddy, like, you know what I mean? That's a lot of miles with heavy weight on your back. It's just a struggle fest, and the only thing that gets you through it is just mental, just shutting that brain down and just saying, this is going to hurt. This is going to be miserable, but I'm going to do it, and you just keep <laughs> going. You know, there's I, I, I don't think my physical strength is what gets me through that. I think it's the mental. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said. I, I think I want to do something this summer where I just – walk into the woods, not be like stupid about it, but like try to do an overnighter by myself, build a little shack or shelter and start a fire and just try to grind it out for the night. Have you ever done that? Yeah. I think most times when I'm hunting, <laughs> I don't take too much in back there. I'm not a, I'm not overly a, a comfort hunter, but no, if you mean like just absolutely nothing, like you don't take food, you don't take, you know, just the clothes on your back, the shoes on your feet type of thing. Um, no, I haven't. Yeah. But I probably should. I agree with you just to see what you're, you know, see what you're made of. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, and it's, it's one of those things like after you do that, you know, that if shit hits the fan, um, that you're going to be able to survive out there. You know, it's always nice having that to fall back on. Like you, you're in a bad situation. You don't panic as much because you're like, you know, I, I know I could get through this type of thing. And I think we need to test ourselves that way. And I think it's a good idea. I think you should do it and blog about it for sure. <laughs> Let's see if I uh, see if I walk out at like midnight or if I make it to the next day. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> exactly. Going straight to a Wendy's. I'm over it. <laughs> I want that milkshake. Exactly. Exactly. I earned it. I was in there for five hours. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about uh, gear. Um, are you using 
you kind of more of like a tarp guy or your pack's pretty light, you said? I mean, you're not bringing a lot of like crazy stuff in there, yeah. like full tents. I mean, talk to us a little bit about – obviously, it's going to vary based on the hunt, but talk to us a little bit about your gear. Primarily, I mean, I go light because I, I'm a I'm a lighter guy. I'm 155 pounds soaking wet. So carrying a lot of weight on my back just kind of wears me down a good bit. So I, I, I go light because – and then I've also just learned that, like, you just don't need the, the comforts you think you do. Once you don't have them, you get used to it, like, in, in seconds. You're just like, you know, I don't bring, like, a, a crazy creek chair to glass from because I find myself, like, falling asleep in the thing where I'm glassing. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not working. So, you know, I just sit on a rock and, like – it's uncomfortable, but it keeps me awake or, you know, I, I do, I go minimum. Um, don't bring as much food as I probably should, you know, come out emaciated every year. But, uh, <laughs> my wife always looks at me. She's like, dear God, like I'm gonna, have to, <laughs> gonna have to feed you now. But, uh, yeah, light, you know, I mean the tent I'm using right now is that, uh, uh, QU one star. So you could use your trekking pole as the main, uh, stay in it. And then it's, I mean, it's small. Um, it's not too uh, – it, it doesn't get rid of moisture by any means. You know, you wake up in the morning and it's usually dripping with water. But I'll do that, like a 40-degree down bag that packs down to like a Nalgene size. Uh, you know, it's super small. And, uh, I mean, just the basics, you know, like food, a little you know, little first aid kit, um, just a little uh, little bit extras on the bow, you know, new D-loop, um, knocks, just stuff like that. Uh, water filtration system. You know, last year I, I, I slimmed it down. Used the Aquamira. They're just like little, um, um, just drips. You know, you mix yeah. them together and then you put that in water. That seemed to work out well instead of bringing like a water filter. Now, if you're in an area that's kind of got stagnant water, um, you'd probably want the filter just to get rid of the bugs and uh, all that other stuff. But if you got some clean running water, I'd just use that. Uh, uh, just the drops got type it. of thing, and then. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, whatever clothes. I, I right now I'm using uh, Numa. Yeah, I've I saw that. How is that? Their... I've never, I've never kind of checked out their gear, but I'm kind of curious about it. It's good. They started out as a, uh, I think, primarily a whitetail company. They're out of Minnesota, and then they're looking to more to get into the um, the backcountry stuff. So they approached me and just kind of asked me about, you know, about doing some photography with them. I'm like, yeah, send me some of your gear and. I don't know. I, I really liked it, actually. I, I think for the Merino, it's the softest Merino out there. It's the nicest. And it seems to be the most durable. So I really dig the Merino. Um, their lightweight pants is uh, uh, they're real nice. I, they work great. Um, maybe a little bit cargo pocket heavy, but uh, I don't know. They fit great, and uh, they seem to work out fine. And I've been digging it for this past year, so they definitely have some, uh, some good stuff. It's, they're a newcomer. I think they've only been around for maybe about a year and a half, but uh, – Good gear. I, I've been digging it so far. Nice, nice. Well, cool, man. Um, well, before we have kind of kept you here long enough, man. It's been a it's been a fun fun session for sure. But before we jump off, where where can people go to kind of check out some of your work and and what you're doing with the uh, with your company? Tell us a little bit about that. So, for my personal brand, it's just uh, Fred Bohm, uh, Bohm dot com. And you can find me on Instagram, same thing, just Fred Bohm and Facebook, which I don't use too much. Um, so that's primarily, I just, you know, Instagram posts just about a day and I blog a good bit on the, the, on the, on the website. So, and then for Sage and Breaker stuff, that's just at Sage and Breaker, B-R-A-K-E-R uh, dot com. And then on Instagram as well under the same name. Nice, nice. Well, cool. Well, hey, Fred, I really appreciate it. It's been great talking with you. I uh, look forward to hopefully staying in touch here and having you back on the show at some point to kind of maybe dive into some of these different species and pick your brain on some of these different hunts and gear and the whole experience if you're if you're up for it. Absolutely. Anytime, man. And hey, this fall, let's get out there and blast some grouse. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I'm going to hit you up on that. Don't, uh, don't be surprised when I call Listen. you. Like, hey, Fred, let's go. Please do so, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Always down the hunt. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Adam. I had a great time, man. Man, that was a cool episode. Big thanks to Fred. Thanks again for coming on the show. A really interesting guy. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Like, usually I have on a product company, and we kind of talk about that, and a little bit of strategy, and then we have on guys that's more 
you know, we're diving into specifics and strategy and, and this episode was kind of a, for me, a little bit of a breath of fresh air. And, and we just kind of got to talk about a, a wide array of things. Hope it doesn't sound too selfish, but <laughs> I really wanted to bring Fred on the show because I've, I've followed him for a long time and I kind of look up to him or I do look up to him as a, as a writer and, and kind of being in this whole blog kind of hunting blog website space. Um, I consider him an idol and, um, but I hope you guys found it interesting as well of just kind of talking about the industry and how he grew up and, you know, his starting his company and kind of following passions and then diving into some of his hunts and what he's, what he's done and, and, and some of the adventures he goes on and, and a little bit of strategy in there as well with backcountry hunting and gear and fitness and all the above. So again, I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you are enjoying all of the episodes, make sure you subscribe. I know I say this all the time, but go to sportsmansnation.com, check it out. There's a lot of good uh, podcasts on there, a lot of new ones popping up. So make sure you tune into those subscribe, leave us five-star reviews. We would love it. And I appreciate the support. You guys have been awesome. I've had a lot of people just contact me and say, Hey man, that's, that's, I loving the podcast, loving what you're doing and, uh, keep it up. And that stuff means a lot. So I, again, appreciate the support and kind words. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, if you're looking to go on that first Western hunt, Go to transitionwild.com and I will send you the guide I've put together. As mentioned, it's basically five DIY Western hunts for you and a friend under $1,000. So hopefully this episode and what we're doing on Transition Wild and this guide kind of put some fire up your ass and you actually go and do a hunt in 2018 if you haven't done it before. That's what it's all about. Life's too short, as Fred, Fred mentioned in the in the podcast. You know, follow your passions. It's way too short. Um, so go live it up. Go on that hunt, and uh, hopefully that guide that I've put together will will kind of help you do that. That is all for now. I again appreciate the hell out of you. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.